0: All right, so um, can anybody tell me what session one was called, our first session? Foundations. (laughs) Foundations. Okay, you got it. So um, in our first session, can anybody, and this is by way of review, Can anybody tell me the reason Calvary Chapel Flower Mound exists? Why are we here? here To make passionate followers of Jesus Christ. We are here to make passionate followers of Jesus Christ. That, uh, of course, is the Great Commission, just in our own words, Matthew chapter 28. And so, that's why we're here. That's why God began a good work and that he is faithful to complete it. And that's why as we embark on making passionate disciples of Jesus Christ, then our second session was called Methods. Methods. So if our vision, mission, purpose is to make passionate followers of Jesus Christ, then how are we going to do that? So we talked about our, our methods. And um, just save you time so we don't have to clap for everybody. Some of the, the methods that God has given us in the Bible are the Word of God, prayer, discipleship community, family, the body of Christ and serving in our giftedness. I think that was it. So, huh? Did I miss one? Serving. So then um, that brings us up to today. And our topic today then is the empowerment for ministry. I feel like This is, for some people, the hardest thing to get. And even in the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 3, Paul said to the Galatians, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, or tricked you, or deceived you, that you're going to complete what was started in the Spirit by the works of the flesh. And I think that's, That's a tendency that we have to really watch, that we're not completing or trying to do things in the flesh. We're not trying to accomplish God's purposes through human efforts. And so that brings me to what I think is the most fun and enjoyable topic and the best part to me about serving in ministry, and that's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So, slide number one. So, what we see in the book of Zechariah, Zach likes this one, is this this scripture, and it it relates to uh, rebuilding the temple. Imagine the task at hand at rebuilding the, the temple. This was not something that they would be able to do on their own. And the encouragement then from Zechariah was that it wasn't going to be by power or might or by might or power, but it was going to be, yes, by my spirit, says the Lord. And so to accomplish the work of the Lord, then we know we have an empowerment to do that. Aren't you guys thankful for that? And you know a lot of times we have this, we think we think of it in terms of, well this isn't that big of a deal. I'm just doing this or I'm just doing that. But the thing is, whatever we're doing, as we do it as unto the Lord, it's it's a ministry. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. Why do we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do God's work? It's because... We're not trying to reproduce physical, material things. We're trying to reproduce spiritual fruit. Right? Next slide. So, in John 14, 12, Jesus told his disciples, and this was before he went to the cross, this is before he died. And he, was giving, he was telling them, I'm going to leave, I'm going to go away. And he says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will will do also. Isn't that amazing? Jesus Jesus is basically commissioning believers. And notice it doesn't qualify. like he, He doesn't say, most assuredly, I say to you, he who is really smart and believes in me. And he who is really awesome. And he who is really good, he says, whoever believes in me, if you believe in him, then the works that Jesus did, you're, you're going to do those also. So he's commissioning believers to do what he did. He's given us that great commission to make disciples. That's that's a, To me, that's, that's something that is really amazing. You think about the length of that Jesus went to to make believers, to make disciples. Think about what Jesus did. And he says, now that's your job. Now that's your job. But look what he says, because that that could be kind of scary. Because imagine, I can't do that stuff Jesus did. But remember, he says, the works that I do, he will do also. And then he says, and greater works than these he will do Because I go to my father. And what he is saying is, because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, that that will be the agent doing the work. That will be the empowering to do the work of Jesus. Next slide. So the Old Testament has many scriptures that talked about this Holy Spirit indwelling and empowering. And in the Old Testament, the, the the Holy Spirit was sort of, especially the empowering of the Holy Spirit, was m- a lot more selective and reserved for, you know, kings and prophets and special situations and circumstances. And then Joel the prophet says, and it shall come to pass after that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So he, he talked about a, a time where this. Uh, sort of selective working of the Holy Spirit through prophets. You think about the Old Testament prophets and all the radical things that they did. You know, I think of Elijah a lot. He's one of my favorite. And you think of all he did. And he's saying, now there's going to come a time where I'm going to pour out my spirit like I did then on all flesh. And then he kind of gives some examples what's going to happen. He says, your sons, your daughters shall prophesy Old men shall dream dreams. Young men shall see visions. Next. So as he's saying that, the Old Testament is saying there's going to be a time that comes where the Holy Spirit is going to to come and do a work like I did through the prophets. So then he says, uh, Jesus, fast forward a little bit, in John chapter 15, verse 4, he says, Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit in itself. And so here's here's a kind of a real important fact and a tricky fact. A tricky little thing that can happen. We're told straight out directly that we can't do anything of ourselves. We can't do anything spiritually, right? One trap, one bit of quicksand that we can find ourselves into. Is so if we can't do anything of ourselves, well then, we can instead of trusting and relying on the Lord and, and being patient and letting the Lord do His work, we can then try to manipulate or do God's work, but then call it the Holy Spirit. That's where we ha- that's a trap we have to be very careful about, and a lot of that is because we get impatient, right? That we we want things to happen, right? We want things to move and shake, and, you know, we want Old Testament stuff, and, you know, but, I don't know, we don't want to be like Ananias and Sapphira, either, you know, we don't want to, like, die in the sanctuary if we don't <laughs> give offerings right, and stuff like that. So, there's this tension here, but we, ha- we have to be very mindful and prayerful about what the Lord Lord's will is, and basically... Join in to what his thing is that he's doing. And here's the, here's the really amazing thing is that we can know and have confidence that the Lord desires to do a work. He wants to do that. In fact, in John 15, he says, I, I want to bring forth fruit through you. I've called you to that. That's Your calling is to be fruit bearing. And fruit bearing, what is that? It's spiritual reproduction of godliness of god's things so he says in order to do that you you have to rely on me you have to walk in me you have to have faith in me you have to trust me right you can't do it of yourself so we have to be real careful it's it's really the lord's work that we're after and when when he's doing it it's a kind of thing where we're caught up in it right we're just caught up in what he's doing that's Kind of the feeling that it is like you're getting caught up in this thing that the Lord's doing. So next slide. So then um, later, Paul he he says and stresses the importance and the difference of doing things in the flesh versus doing things in the spirit. And he may, this is actually a command. He says, "Don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation." But be filled with the holy spirit and that that means an ongoing fill being filled with the holy spirit so that tells us uh, a secret of how the disciples the apostles the first church what was so powerful about that was it, it was uh, the holy spirit working through hum, human instruments so next slide so now what's something maybe uh, a distinctive a characteristic of Calvary Chapel as a whole, and a characteristic of our church is that we do believe that there is a separate and distinct experience of the Holy Spirit after a person's saved. That means the difference is this when a person's saved, there's an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, right? But then after that, there's an empowering of the Holy Spirit. And we believe there's two, those are two different things, two different things. So the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, when we become a Christian, we become saved, born again, whatever you want to call it. The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit, as he's living inside of us, he's working our sal- uh, salvation out. Uh, he's working our sanctification out. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying we're not saved. The fact that we have the Holy Spirit means we're saved. But it's the Holy Spirit that exercises our salvation. We get transformed by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit uh, convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit comforts us. And ultimately, get this, the Holy Spirit's number one job is not to draw attention to himself, but to draw attention to Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that moves us to Jesus. That's what he does. So we see in the Bible there's three prepositions in the Greek that show the three different relationships of the Holy Spirit that we can have. And I put them up there for you. Number one is uh, the Greek preposition para, which means with. And I'm going to show you these in a second. Um, The next is in, which means I-N for us. And then the third is epi, which means upon or over. So the Holy Spirit, para, with, means that the Holy Spirit is around us, but not in us. And this is before we become a Christian. What does the Holy Spirit do around us? He draws us to Christ. Right. And part of that is conviction of sin. But uh, another is just to bring awareness, attention, um, draw sort of like a wooing, you know, an uh, attraction. But I don't believe he crosses our free will. But what he does is he draws us to Christ. We, and that's why the Bible says that the one unforgivable sin, you guys know what that is? Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, do you know there's a sin that's unforgivable? And you're like, did I do that? Well, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the reason that's an unforgivable sin is because when we reject the moving of the Holy Spirit to bring us to Christ, we won't do that on our own. We can't come to Christ on our own. It's the Holy Spirit that draws us to Christ. We wouldn't naturally be drawn to Christ. In, in our flesh, the Holy Spirit with us, around us, draws us to Christ. So, if we reject that, then we will never come to Christ for salvation. That's why it's a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's denying, rejecting the only vehicle that takes us to Christ. So, para is this, the Holy Spirit is in the world, convicting the world of sin and drawing people To their need for Christ. That's the Holy Spirit does. But the moment that para experience becomes something where a, a person individually by faith receives Christ as their Lord and Savior, then what happens? The second preposition is the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us, indwelling. Indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, I really believe that's something that that in our environment that we minister in, that this is maybe one of the biggest areas that people are confused about or have a lot of different ideas, whether they're hyper charismatic or then they completely deny the gifts of the spirit, whatever spectrum. And a lot of people's background will, if it's not balanced, it ends up affecting their view of the Holy Spirit, and then their application of the Holy Spirit in their life. And I believe this is something that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant, my brother. We're going to see that in a second, actually, of things of the Spirit. And I believe he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of of that, is because the Holy Spirit attacks the work of the Spirit, so heavily, because he, he wants us to do things in the flesh. Because when we do things in the flesh, they, it doesn't amount to anything. Even though outwardly, there may be a whole bunch of things, and even the world may say, oh, that's the greatest church ever in the world. But if it's not the Lord and not done in the Spirit, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans in God's kingdom, right? So then, in is when we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And then the last thing is the epi experience, which means pawn or overflowing, which is uh, empowerment for ministry. And maybe even some of you here may have the EN experience, the Holy Spirit's in you, but you've never actually prayed that the Holy Spirit empower you for ministry. So I want to take a look at that. Next slide. And look at some scriptures that kind of... Uh, show that a little bit in this scripture we see the first two relationships of the holy spirit um so this is john 14 and jesus says if you love me keep my commandments he says and i will pray the father and he will give you another helper And the context of this is Jesus talking about him leaving and talking about greater works that you'll do. And imagine how concerned the disciples were thinking, you know, we got to do this ourselves. And he's saying, don't worry. When I go, I'm going to give you a helper. You're not going to do it yourself. And he says that that helper, the Holy Spirit, might abide with you forever. And then he says, he calls it the spirit of truth. Whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him, nor knows him, but you know him. And here it is: for he dwells what? He dwells with para. So he's telling his disciples, "I'm going to leave, and there's going to be a work to do. You're going to do the same things I do, and don't worry. The helper's going to come. He's going to abide in you forever." And he's saying, right now he's with you. So at this point, the disciples didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. Jesus hadn't died and rose again. So he says, he dwells with you and will be what? In you. you. So see the two different words, two different prepositions, two different relationships that we can have with the Holy Spirit. With is around. And we're not a believer. We're not saved. We're not... um, born again when the Holy Spirit's around us, with us. But when he comes in us, that's when we're saved, that's when we're believers. And he's saying, he's going to come in you. And he says, I won't leave you orphans, I will come to you. Okay, so that makes sense? Next slide. So this is where the disciples receive the Holy Spirit, E-N-N. It says, so Jesus said to them, again, peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I send you. Again, they're being commissioned, right? We get this idea of, I'm going to go, and you're going to do what I did. And when you do what I did, the Holy Spirit's the one who's going to do it through you. So remember, in in John 14... He said the Holy Spirit's with you, but he will be in you. Here's where he's in in them. As the Father has sent me, I send you, verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, "Receive the Holy Spirit." So that's when they received the Holy Spirit. This is after Jesus died, rose again, they received the Holy Spirit, right? So you're thinking, okay, so now the Holy Spirit's in them. That's great. Praise the Lord. Imagine, you know, their thoughts. They saw Jesus die. They saw him raised again. They know he's going to leave for good. He's going to ascend. But he's saying you're going to have the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's going to be okay. Next slide. But then he says to those same people who had the Holy Spirit in them, he says, you shall receive power. So they already had the Holy Spirit in them. But now he's saying you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come what? Upon. What does that, what does that mean again? The Greek word. Epi. Epi, which translates upon, over. Right? So, in the, and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty explicit there. It says that's where the power is going to come. So they were indwelt but now there's going to be a separate and distinct thing where they would be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So he says, what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? And you shall be witnesses. He's not saying you're going to go out and witness. He's saying you, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power, you'll be witnesses. That, that empowerment of the Holy Spirit will be such that the witness of Christ that's in you Will be manifest out you, out through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So did that actually happen? Did they become witnesses to Jerusalem? They did. Did they become witnesses in Judea? Yes. Samaria? The other ends of the earth? And how did they do that? By the empowering of the Holy Spirit. That shows you the impact, the effect, that we are living examples of the fruit of the Holy Spirit 2,000 years after that. So what does that tell you about what the Lord can do through the power of the Holy Spirit in and through us right now? Next slide. Oh, did you already change it? Is that the, uh, yeah, okay, next one. Okay, so now here's a couple of examples I want to give you of, uh, and what I'm trying to show you is what people call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the epi experience of the Holy Spirit. This is the empowering experience of the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it. So now in Acts 19, it says that it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. So in this scripture, um, and in, in we have the earlier uh, scripture about the people in Ephesus committing their lives to Christ, being saved, born again, and, and all that. And now Paul comes into the area, and he, he's in Ephesus and he sees these disciples. But notice what he says to them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now what he was re- referring to is, of course he knows if you believe you have the Holy Spirit. He noticed that something was missing when he came there. There was this certain dynamic, this certain empowering, this certain, that, that they were probably a little more mechanical about their faith. And if, if we get some more information from the book of Revelation, you guys remember that? It talks about they're really good doctrinally, really staunch, but they left their first love. And so there, there's sort of this culture maybe of, of more intellectual Christianity and very dogmatic, which is good to stand on the truth, but they're were they were missing love. And, and in the... Um, book of uh, Revelation talks about the return to their first love. But Paul noticed something, and then he asked him, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so here ha- we have a really good scripture to see, hey, what was diff- what was there something missing? And it was that empowerment of the Holy Spirit that they are missing, that third experience. And then next slide. So in Acts 8.14, this is a scripture where Philip had already gone to Samaria, preach the gospel, and they were saved. And then he goes back to Jerusalem and tells the people in Jerusalem about it. And so here's what happened. When the people in Jerusalem heard about it, they're like, hey, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they're like, wow, that's great. So they, they send Peter and John to them. Like, hey, Peter and John, you guys go check this situation out. So they send it to him, and it says, who when they come down, when Peter and John came down, they prayed that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he, the Holy Spirit, had fallen upon none of them. There's the word upon. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so we have another example in the book of Acts. And and maybe if you read through the book of Acts, maybe you start to realize this was the thing. This, the empowering of the Holy Spirit was how they did what they did. Maybe this was the thing where, where, where there's so much power there. And maybe this is the thing now where where people are relying more on their intellect or more on trying to convince people or you know, more on programs and more on these things instead of the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you do that, you have to put all these substitutes in, right? If you're not going to... Be empowered by the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to empower you, then you're just going to feel like you're always doing your own stuff it's It's going to feel like you're doing your own thing it's a it's it's just a struggle instead of you just being carried up by this wind of power of God to do his works it's a totally different thing next slide, please so as we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about the different relationships, and we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then we have to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And this is the, the last point I'm going to talk about. So in 1 Peter 4:10, it says, as each one has received a gift, so that means if you're a Christian, you've received a gift. You have a gift. You have a spiritual gift. He says, to minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So this empowering of the Holy Spirit then enables us to use the gifting, the unique gifting that we have, that as we use that unique gifting, that unique gifting is actually a part of the manifold, multifaceted, multicolored grace of God. The fullness of God's grace is put in believers, parts of it, so that our expression of using, by using our gift, our expression of God is the grace of God. So when we use our spiritual gift, what we're doing is being good stewards or caretakers over God's grace. And that also suggests then if we're not using our spiritual gift, then we're not a good caretaker over the gift that God's given us. We're, we're burying it or hiding it instead of putting it in to use. So then, next slide. So then in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 7, very important section of Scripture. And by the way, Chapter 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians pretty much gives you everything you need to know about spiritual gifts. So it's not all weird. You know, people make it all weird. You know, have you ever heard, oh, you speak in tongues? Ooh, this is so weird. If you just read that section of Scripture, it's very simple. It's very plain. It's not weird. Let's not make it all weird. So... Speaking about gifts, Paul says this to the Corinthians. He says, concerning spiritual gifts. You notice uh, gifts there is in italics. The correct translation is spirituals. Now concerning spirituals, things of the spirit. I don't want you to be ignorant. And I just think that's so interesting because this is one of the major areas of division in the body of Christ today. Spiritual gifts. And to me, it's just so weird because it's so simple and plain. If you just read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and you take out all of your potential baggage that you may have had. Maybe you had a bad experience. Maybe you grew up in a real dry, gifts don't exist type of church. Maybe you grew up in a more charismatic church where they're barking like dogs and jumping off the chandeliers. I don't know. But, but the, if 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, very clear, very simple. And at the end of all that discussion, it's that we should earnestly desire the gifts. We'll see that in a second. But he says, concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols, however you were led Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. Why is that? Because the Spirit of God is not going to say that. And this the reason he's saying that is because a lot of people are afraid of spiritual things because they're like, what if I do all this weird stuff? You know, what if I'm led by the Spirit and I'm, I'm now I become weird? Don't worry, you think God's gonna make you weird? He says, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And then he says in verse four, there's diversities, diversities or differences of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse five, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works in them all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, what does it say? So everybody's profiting. When we use our gift, it blesses and builds up and profits the whole body of Christ. That's why Paul's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant, one. I don't want you to be doing things in your flesh, two. I don't want you to be ignoring your spiritual gift, because when you do, the whole body suffers when we don't use our gift. Next slide. So then all that section ends with this. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And then chapter 13 is the what chapter? Love, Love chapter. That's what he's going to talk about. The most important thing, like you can pray that you give the gift of tongues, pray that you have the gift of teaching, pray that you have gift of word of wisdom, prophecy, whatever it is, healing, whatever. But over all that, the most important, the most excellent way is that you have love. And then he says if, um, in the next chapter if you give your body to be burned, have not love, it doesn't do you any good. You know, basically, whatever you do, if there's no love, you sound like a clanging cymbal, right? You're irritating. You're like that Energizer Bunny commercial. You just walk around going like this. You're just irritating. So we have to be filled with the Spirit. We have to be surrendered and submitted to the Spirit in order for all the giftedness and all those things to really be an expression, different expressions of the love of God. That's what it ends up being, different expressions of the love of of God. And so just as a side note, whatever our ministry or service to the Lord is, All those things that we do, those are just vehicles to love people. Those are just, you know, say like the worship ministry. I was talking to Sarah about this the other day. It's not about the music. The music is a tool to love people. Like if you're up here and you just love rocking out and playing music, that's not ministry. That's a concert, which is great, but that's not what this is all about. These people have to love you people through those instruments, through those songs. Somebody at the front door, not to embarrass Sarah, but I'll embarrass somebody else. Somebody is at the front door greeting. Jerry's there, ushering. He's saying hi to people. That His ushering, his serving like that is just a vehicle to love people. It's never about the thing you're doing. It's what you're doing with the thing. And that's where we get really mixed up. So at the end of the day, it's loving people. And it's our gift that we use that allows us to love people in a very special, unique way. So if somebody has the gift of encouragement, not to point anybody out, but Mary has the gift of encouragement. (laughs) Mary has a gift of encouragement. So she can use different vehicles to encourage people. You know, but she, she's encouraging. Like, you know, if she's going to pick up a piece of trash, she's going to be encouraging somebody when she's doing it. She can't help it, you know. She's just an encouragement. But I can point out a lot of you. I'm, so you all have your special gift. That's the thing. And that's why it's important as we're on this point. To have the right balance between serving and devoting. Meaning our personal devotional life, our feeding of our soul, our feeding of our spirit becomes so important. And I never want anybody that's serving in the church to just serve and never be in here worshiping. That's not, that's not a healthy balance and it could go both ways but there has to be the there has to be the the feeding the building up in our soul and then there's a serving as well those go hand in hand those go together so we have to be very careful as leaders to make sure that people that are in our ministries that are having a balance that they're they're getting fed they're worshiping corporately together with people and it's not just they're they're serving 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 that's not healthy the serving is exter- an extension of our devotional life, our, devo- our worshiping. So there has to be a balance there. So all of us should earnestly desire the gifts. So that means gift of tongue. Should I earnestly desire that? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I want everything that God has for me? Could it be that I'm just, I'm afraid of it? Could it be I had a bad experience with it? Could I be I went to a church and they said, well, if you don't speak in tongues, that means you're not really saved? Or did I go to a church where they said, you know, if tongues don't exist and that's Satan speaking through you or what? Read 1 Corinthians twelve, thirteen, and 14. Solve all your problems. Take care of all your issues. It's right there, plain and simple. But at the end of the day, I should earnestly desire all the gifts that God wants for me to have. I should pray, God, give me everything you have. If you want me to speak in tongues, give me that gift of tongues. If you want me to prophesy, give me that. If you want healings, give me that. All the, read that. It's all the, And just pray that you would get that. And don't be afraid. Then to use that. Don't be afraid. Next slide. Because God loves you so much, he wants to bless you with these spiritual gifts. So the question is, and this last slide is then, do we have it? So I'm assuming if you're here, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. If not, you need to be born again and shouldn't be serving yet. (laughs) Two, if you are born again, then the question is, have you really asked the Lord for that empowerment of the Holy Spirit? Does ministry feel dry? Does it feel like a burden? Does it feel like labor? Does it feel heavy? You need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Are you lacking in love for the people that you're serving? Are you feeling like your supply is short? This is such good news because God says, We can come to him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If we're going to do God's things, we need him so bad. We need him desperately. And here's the simplicity of it. We don't have to go to a weird church. We don't have to read weird books. We don't have to do weird things. What do we have to do? Which of you fathers... If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. That's oftentimes what people think. Oh, I'm afraid of the Holy Spirit. I'm afraid he's going to make me do weird things or whatever. And he's saying, do you think God's really going to ask for the empowering of the Holy Spirit or the spiritual gifts like the Bible says, and then he's going to make you into a cult leader? He says... If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Is that really the Lord we serve? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much even more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's as simple as that. And so, I think that's the last slide, right? Yeah. So as we... Think about these different relationships with the Holy Spirit. It's imperative as a body of Christ to understand the necessity of the empowering of the Holy Spirit to do whatever it is that we're doing here in this church. And when we do that, we have this the promise of God. Think about it. If we're just if we're teaching the word, trusting and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, loving one another in a community, I mean, we're pretty much doing the things that God has asked us to do. We're enjoying Him, we're enjoying fellowship, and God will work. And we have this promise that He will build His church and He will do what he sees fit, so we can rest in that. But as we go, I just want you to ask yourself, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Are you continuing to ask God to overflow you with the power of the Holy Spirit to serve in ministry? Otherwise, you'll dry up like a raisin and you won't taste very good but instead you'll be like a big fat grape that tastes real good. The green ones without seeds on a hot summer day. People will pop them in their mouth and they'll be like, so good. So, so good. So, we're going to finish. I want to see if there's any questions and we're going to pray. And most importantly is that you would pray that God would give you everything that he wants for you, that you'd be open to the complete, full working of the Holy Spirit in your life, and that you would continue to ask for his baptism, his overflowing, his empowerment, whatever you want to call it, that you would ask for that. And watch, watch the power that happens in your life. Amen? Amen. Any questions? No questions. Yes, Brian. Yeah, so uh, Brian's question is a question about the epi, the overflowing could come and go. Yeah, um, you know, the Bible talks about quenching the spirit, grieving the spirit. So there's things that we can do that, Affect the empowering of the Holy Spirit in our life. So, in those those cases, you know, it's we we might need to repent of our sin because we might be quenching the Spirit or grieving the Spirit. Um, Another is we might be relying on our own strength or something to do, and we need to recognize that and surrender that to the Lord. But the Epi experience is something that we can um, continually ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be empowered for the work of the ministry yes any other questions uh, Randy did you have one? Um, I wasn't planning on it um, in this the seven week thing but um, if that's something you're interested I think we have that online when we went through um, those scriptures so you might be able to get that online as well but, uh, yeah, it's not part of this, yeah, seven-week. I can make it like a 20-week thing if you want. We, can, <laughs> we could do that. But, yeah, that's a good question. But those are, that's important, you know. So maybe some people might have been asking, well, what are the gifts of the Spirit? So they're listed specifically in three different places in the Bible, um, Ephesians, Corinthians, and Romans, specific gifts. And then, um, yeah, so that, that might be a fun study sometime i also recommend the book living water by chuck smith who discusses all the every one of the gifts of the spirit and the work of the holy spirit It's probably for me personally the best book i've ever read on that and then another really 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 good book it, that's also written by chuck smith is charisma versus charismania he talks about the extremes And the sort of perversion of the Holy Spirit in some of these movements. But then he gives a good balance approach about what really it is to be working and operating in the Spirit. So, good question. Yes, Alex. Oh, okay. So Putting Zach on blast, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but to me, I gotta work hard on it. Patience. Ah. So that's one thing I was to say. Okay. Give that's a, one of the gifts, a uh, fruit of the Spirit is self control. Yeah. And love is patient. Yeah. All right. So we know what to pray for Alex about. <laughs> and Zach, I guess, too. <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> anybody else? We got that? So hopefully you would all be able to explain that to somebody else if need be, right? You know it that well. Yeah, if you just go through the through scriptures, you're good. All right, I'm about to close, so anybody, any questions? No? Um, all right, so let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time together. And I pray for anybody here, Lord, who would just say, Lord, I need to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I need more love. I need more power. I need more clarity. I need more vision. I need more wisdom. I need more of the fruit of the Spirit. I pray for anybody here who would just say that right now that they would desire that I pray that you'd give that to them now Lord as they ask I pray for anybody here that would ask to be baptized in your Holy Spirit Lord that they would receive your baptism now that the Holy Spirit would overflow them Lord would come upon them in a powerful way Lord and I pray, Lord, as Satan comes in to bring doubt and sow seeds of doubt, I pray that they'd have confidence in your word and trust you and know that you desire to give good gifts to your children, Lord. And Lord, as we, as we invite you and in the power of your Holy Spirit to overflow us, I, I pray, Lord, that you would spring forth a new thing that you would make rivers in the wilderness, that you would split rocks in half, and that our fellowship would be everything that you want it to be, Lord. We ask for a stirring of our gifts and a uh, revelation of what our gifts are personally. And we pray, Lord, nothing short of what you told the disciples to go and wait until the Holy Spirit would come upon them. And we ask for that too, Lord. And we ask that we too can have a powerful impact through our fellowship and through our lives. There wouldn't be any predictable or ordinary work but it would be a powerful work that you would get all the glory and people would say, isn't God good? Isn't God amazing? And you say, Lord, if we ask that you'll give it to us. So give us everything you have, Lord, every bit. In Jesus' name, amen.